Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. I'm your host, Ashwini Prasad, and today I have Mr. Bill Taub. Hi, Bill. Hi, Ashwini. It is it's always nice fun. to see you right next door to me. Yeah, exactly. For those of you that are on audio, this is also on Zoom on YouTube. So Bill is talking about us being next to each other. Um, you know, it's always fun to interview people you know and friends. So gosh, we, we've been connected, getting close to about two years now. So this is a lot of fun and you have a lot of great stories and a lot of great connections. So I appreciate you, Bill. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. All right. Well, like I was telling you earlier, uh, you know, who else to introduce Mr. Bill Taub than Mr. Bill himself? So, Bill, let us let us and our our audience know a little bit more about you. You have a fascinating history uh, just by being you. Thank you so just by being me. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's it's interesting because I've known Ashwin even we met because of the pandemic. So we met on virtually at a virtual Java that I used to run, you know, virtual coffee clutch. And uh, I just have such admiration for her. But I started, I, I grew up always wanting to be in the entertainment business and people say why and I don't know. But I did and I was on the East Coast. I grew up in New York. I went to the High School of Performing Arts, which was the fame school, and um, realized then that I'm not a good actor. So when I went to school, I went into television and film and those kinds of things. And when you're on the East Coast and you want to go into show business and you want to do songs and dances and be entertaining and all that kind of stuff, you go into advertising. So that's what I did. So I wound up being creative director, associate creative director at seven agencies, several agencies on several accounts, uh, J. Willard Thompson being one of them. And that was fun. And that, that, quite frankly, was the best grounding I could have gotten, or I think I now say anybody could get in terms of preparing themselves for a film career, and I, because you learn so much more doing commercials than if I had grown up in television. And then I kept moving out to the Los Angeles to shoot commercials and knowing I always wanted to get out to Los Angeles to be in television. And uh, every time I came out, I looked for an advertising agency because I was too chicken to just pick up and move that would move me and pay all that kind of stuff and give me a job. And I found one and I did. And within six months time, I had transitioned into television and said goodbye to the advertising business, which sometimes I look back and say, why did I do that? <laughs> but, <laughs> but so that's that. And I'm, you know, have been living in Los Angeles from New York. I was living in New York for like 35 years. And about six months ago, my wife and I moved out of Los Angeles. We had about enough of what's going on. And we moved to a, a, a suburb of Palm Springs, which is called Rancho Mirage. And it's very nice and very peaceful here. And the nice thing is, and this is what everything is, is, is why we're doing so much, is we could do everything virtually. And this is a perfect example of it. You know, nobody has to be even in the same continent. You know, one of the things I do to give back is I teach TV writing at UCL Extension on the Writers Program, but I do it online. And so yeah. I could be anywhere. And my students are all over the world, which I love. And I know I get into discussions with friends of mine who talk about, oh, how could you not be in the classroom? And, and I go very easily, but uh, I'm not trying to sell it to them. So I do that. I work with other writers. I have a book called Automatic Pilot, which is about TV writing. And I love giving back. And I love, I love helping support people who have a passion. And this is how I first met Ashwini. She had a passion for what she wanted to do. And 
all I do is I encourage her. I encourage her and help her do whatever she can. And I will give her whatever it is because there is no right answer to what you have a passion about. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. Bill, you are a gem. You help out so many people and you're being so modest in regards to your work. So uh, Bill was a writer on Hill Street Blues, a huge, huge show. Let's not discount that. And so a bona fide TV writer and a man with a fabulous radio voice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, well, I I, I say that I heard that before because when I was in university, I did, I worked at the university, t- uh, university TV, uh, the university radio station, you know, and, and it, it was fun. I just found, I found, too, you know, the, the news with DJ, too meaningless. I mean, too, too it was too, too transitory. You know, you do a five minute or 10 minute newscast and that's it, gone into the ether. Yeah, yeah you like writing. You're a writer at heart, yeah. definitely with everything you do. So I thank you for being here. And I know that, uh, I mean, gosh, we could write a story about you, but you are going to tell us about somebody fantastic. And so I really appreciate you being here and sharing this person's story. So who are we going to talk about that deserves a movie or a mini? series made about them bill i if he would give me permission i would do it but he won't give me permission because (laughs) it's a guy named jamie masada who i met very early very early on my uh move to los angeles uh back in the early 80s um he's a persian jew who came here when he was 17 or 18 and he always had an ambition by himself and he, he just wanted to do something in comedy. At first, he wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So both of us tried open mic someplace. It was like, Jamie, maybe, maybe stand-up comedy is not for you. So he went behind the scenes. And he created a comedy club, which has become an empire and, and also something called the Laugh Factory. And the Laugh Factory, the first Laugh Factory started in Los Angeles. And I, re- I was there I was there before it was the Laugh Factory. As a matter of fact, I was there. We, we were trying to come up with a name for this thing that he was going to build. And so it, it was the Laugh Factory. And over the years, and I've seen it, nobody deserves success more than he does because it's been his life. For 40 years, it's been his life. He has always tried to give comedians a break. I mean, people who wanted to be comedians a break. He always wanted to try to help them. He always wanted to try to see if he couldn't find places for them to live or to work. And he's the most charitable guy in the world. And he's built quite a stable of people that he has brought to the fore. I mean, Tiffany Haddish is the most recent one who he manages and he, who he discovered. And she's an interesting story because he also runs a thing called Comedy Camp. And Comedy Camp, this is part of giving back. Comedy Camp is where for eight or 10 weeks during the summer, he takes kids who are from troubled backgrounds, you know, uh, and he helps them get on stage, not to be comedians, but to get over the fact that they can't talk about themselves or get get certain amount of confidence. And these are kids who are 10, 11 years old. And he teams them, he teaches, he teams each one of them up with a famous comedian to help them through it. And it's about to talk about their lives. And I gotta tell you, I've been to those things 
the lives they talk about as a 10 year old, I, I, I can't hear from a 45 year old. It's just so tragic. But what's interesting is they do gain confidence, which is really what the program is about to give them confidence to not be afraid of people and not be afraid of where they came. And so from the first time they get up on stage where they can hardly say their name to the last time they get on stage when you can't shut them up is really watching a very interesting growth. And that's a long way around of saying that Tiffany Haddish was one of those kids. <laughs> well, and also, uh, gosh, Roseanne Barr, and she's been problematic, but she was really big in the 90s. Yep. Nick Cannon, Drew Carey, George Carlin, Dave Chappelle. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. All the comedians that have performed at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and still going strong. We're working on various TV shows over the course of the years to try and get them going under the Laugh Factory banner. You know, it's Laugh Factory is the brand name. And as a matter of fact, I said Ashwini, uh, about in the mid 80s or late 80s, we decided to start a Laugh Factory magazine, which was like People magazine for com comedians. And it was, I was the executive editor and uh, it was a lot of fun to do. We did about, I don't know, six, eight, 10, um, editions before he ran out of money. Uh, but Jamie doesn't do things in a small way, which is sometimes his problem, you know? And so, uh, but it was a great experience and great fun to do. And he's always trying to do that stuff. And in terms of charitable things, and you know, it's like his heart is bigger than anybody I ever known. And he's gotten all sorts of awards from the city, from whatever charity. Every Christmas and Thanksgiving, he opens up the club for a free holiday meal for anybody who can't afford it. And so, you know, he will, and, and, and he puts on a show. So they'll come in, they'll get a meal, a turkey meal, whatever it might be, dished out by comedians. So it's always interesting. And then he puts on a show for them to enjoy. And when, when the first year he did that, it was like one sitting, like Thanksgiving at three, you have your hair. It is now five sittings each Thanksgiving and each Christmas. And it's, it's just, and it costs him a fortune, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. So he's just a really, really interesting character who is totally, totally self-made. I've been with him. I've been around him when he had to work nights at a hotel so he mm -hmm. could keep the club open and stuff like that. And yeah. good for him, you know? He earns, he earns it all. Yeah. Well, I can see how you feel connected to him, uh, given both you two give so much. And I love what, the story that you told. Um, and before we even started, you were talking about the comedy camp. And, you know, like you were noting, you have kids that get up there, they can barely say their, say their name. And at the end of it, they're boisterous and they're up there and they're doing their thing. And I think it's such an important way because I did theater when I was younger. And just to have that confidence and to go up there and to see yourself and see it in you uh, to be like, wow, OK, I just, you know, yelled my voice. I yelled my lines. I acted. It, it's a rush. It's a rush. And, and my hope is that that sort of confidence can continue on with them, you know, as they continue in their lives. That's to go. It's to give them the confidence to go through everyday life. Yeah, which and is not, fantastic. And not, and not be cowed by it. 
And I think comedy is such an outlet where you can talk about so many different things. Now, how it's done is debatable and how tasteful it is, how relevant it is. But comedy for me, and I guess I'm biased because I have a comedy script, but <laughs> it's for me where you can talk about everything. You really can. And it's the range of human emotions and the ability to laugh and and, and uh, get these different types of emotions out when you're um, dealing with uh, sensitive topics to just outright funny topics. Uh, a laugh is, is a good thing. It's good for the heart. It's good for the soul. And it's so nice that these uh, children have the ability from somebody with that has such clout um, in the, you know, comedy industry. It's, it's amazing. It's a really great yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, we make it through the darkest times with comedy mm, and yeah. it is it is a survival mechanism and and we, we often say um <laughs> laughter is the best medicine and in a way it is it really is i mean if you're if you can laugh through whatever it is if you have an illness whatever it might be if you can be made to laugh for that period of time you're doing fine and i always say if if you can say that stress can shorten your life comedy can lengthen your life. And I love what Jamie's doing as well, totally giving back to the community that he lives in. Uh, that's huge, right? To be able mm -hmm. to give back and, and have your fame and what he's been able to do. And you mentioned earlier um, about his, um, his English as a second language. And so he might not have done as well um, back then in regards to uh, his speech, but it's amazing when people are able to one speak another language. Oh, and so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And so it's unfortunate he couldn't find fame, you know, uh, in the United States here, but he did go behind the scenes, as you mentioned, which is absolutely fantastic. And it's so great to know about a little bit about his life because he has so many successful chains. We were listing off all the different places where uh, the Laugh Factory is or will be, you know, LA, of course, and you were mentioning Chicago, Vegas, and I think now on the East Coast. Long Beach, I, there's one in Long Beach. Amazing. You know, uh, just I mean, absolutely amazing. You know, Miami. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. And these are huge hot spots. Lots of people, always going to be people that are going to want this type of content. And he's brought in so many great headliners. And like you said, um, I uh, Tiffany Haddish, I read her uh, memoir, her biography oh, really? that she has out there. Yep. And she was talking about the Laugh Factory and how it, it can potentially uh, launch so many people's careers. And it has. And right. that is just, right. I mean, what an homage and what a legacy for Jamie to leave behind. That's right. That's right. That we, so we often wonder because he's so hands on. We often wonder who will carry on that legacy mm. because it really should be. Yeah. And for me, legacy is so important. Being able to have like your stamp in life, something that people can be drawn to and, and have a gift, uh, gift to the world. And definitely what Jamie has given is, is amazing. What I also like is that we're talking about somebody who's still alive. So, you know, when I bring up to other folks to be guests, you know, being able to talk about uh, different people, it always goes to somebody who's passed on. Uh, and I love that you're the first one that I've talked to that is focused in on somebody who is alive and what a way to honor somebody and for people to really understand the legacy uh, and the person who's 
been behind. I mean, there's been a lot of other people, but the person who started this huge factory and just continues to give and give. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 He, he, but that's why, that's why we talk about him, you know, because, you know, again, I think all of us reach a stage or should reach a stage where it's about what are we giving back? You know, mm -hmm. how are we impacting other people? It's not about us. It's how are we helping other people? And that's, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than that. And so, you know, our, our whole mission these days is like, how can I help you? Yeah. Yeah. How can I help you? you exactly. Know? And it doesn't take much. I mean, particularly these days with social media and we all have like large networks or large people that, you know, whether you have 2000 followers or 200 followers, it doesn't matter. You might have somebody there that can help somebody. And why wouldn't yeah. you? Exactly. So you mentioned, right, Jamie, uh, building up the Laugh Factory and he had a magazine. How did you two meet? Um, at, when was the first time you met or the what very connected first, you to? The very first, this is the very first time we met was when I was new to L.A. and he has just been new to L.A. But I was in a writer, a comedy workshop. This goes back like 40 some odd years. I was in a comedy workshop run by a gentleman named Ernie Glucksman, which will mean nothing to anybody other than historians because he was a big time <clears throat> manager, TV producer, stuff like that. He was responsible for Martin and Lewis, mm -hmm. D. Martin and Jerry Lewis. And he used to do the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Sunday hour and he went on to do other things and then show of shows and stuff like that. So I was in his comedy workshop uh, with a group of other people who were starting to write comedy. And Jamie had heard about him and went to him when he got to the United States um, and to see if he could help him because he had a pilot he wanted to write a pilot for a TV show that he wanted to write, which was basically about him. It was called Ertzi. And it was about, you know, a Persian Jew who comes to the United States and, you know, tries to get started and winds up in a, in a K-Fry franchise or something like that. And he thought, and Ernie thought that um, Jamie could use a partner to help. And so he put me with Jamie. And that's oh, wow. how, and that's how, and I still have that first script that we wrote together. Um, it's not on a computer, but I have the first, <laughs> first script we wrote together, and we've been friends and stayed close ever since. That's amazing. What a great story. And now you get to see all of Jamie's success. So uh, where did what country did Jamie immigrate from? Persia. He says Persia. I say he Iran. Says Persia. I say Iran. Okay. I say Iran. He says Persia. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah. I was going to ask you, is it Iran or Iraq? Okay. He says Persia. Okay. Understood. <laughs> so you know, you've gotten to know Jamie, obviously, right? Your well. friends. Very yeah. Well. Your friends now. Um, are there other parts of his life that he, he would be okay with sharing um, outside of his charity work and of, of a successful entrepreneur? Are there any other interesting parts of his life, um, and we don't have to go into anything in depth at all, uh, that you would want uh, other people to know about and why Jamie deserves this recognition of having him, having him be a name within households and people getting to know a little bit about him more? His charity work, for sure. 
Um, the fact that he is, and this is what I, you know, there's so many times in Hollywood, and you're probably aware of it, where people are jealous of other people. You know, you knew so-and-so, whatever it might be, or you lucky, got this lucky break, or whatever it might be. I can honestly say that I don't know anybody who worked harder than Jamie to get to follow his dream, mm -hmm. get his passion. And uh, I remember the days when he used to have to lie to banks to get a loan. I remember the days when he, he was a, 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 a room service at hotels over the night, you know, overnight so that he could make enough money to pay the rent on the space. He just absolutely earned everything he's gotten. And that to me is very admirable. Now, I can tell you sometimes when we were bad boys, <laughs> but, but I'll leave that alone. Um, yeah, right. But, What's the statute of limitations on those stories? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we, 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 you know, again, I mean, it's, uh, it's the kind of thing. And he just never, he, no matter how much money he's made or however successful he's done, he's never, ever forgotten the little guy. And that's why to this day, after 35 years of putting on these dinners, these lunch, I mean, these holiday dinners and everything like that, he doesn't have to do that. He could have stopped after year five if he wanted to or mm -hmm. two or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's a tradition. Yeah. And another thing he, oh, this is another thing he does, which uh, might be of interest to some of your audience. Uh, the Jewish high holidays, high holiday services are like, uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and the way it works these days, you have to belong to a temple where to go to the high holiday services, you got to pay quite a bit of money, all right, get tickets and stuff like that. Jamie opens up the Laugh Factory and brings in a rabbi and a cantor and everything like that and offers the holiday services to anybody who can come for free. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. I was going to ask, he was doing very sort of traditional uh, North American uh, traditions and feeding. So he also does the Jewish celebrations. And that's amazing for free. So you're able to come in and celebrate and enjoy. That's, right. that's amazing. That is right. that is amazing. And I loved also what you were saying uh, about, him. you know, he he was making sure he was going to be successful. So working nights, working in whatever it means, right, to be able to make some money. And now I, I really hope he is, you know, wonderfully reaping the benefits of all that work. It's, uh, it's a story that uh, I think is, it's a human story of um, being right. here and getting it done and uh, the legacy of that. And what we could do also what Jamie is definitely doing, giving back once you have that and what that can look like. He was giving back when he didn't have it love that and yeah that, that, and that that's really something to behold yeah no yeah that's amazing that's amazing so he's just he's just a man of that type of heart mm -hmm. uh, i would love to have his name uh be a household name not just the laugh factory because the laugh factory is definitely there people know mm -hmm. about the laugh factory right and definitely folks that are uh in the business and definitely comedians they know the laugh factory uh, but I also would love to have Jamie's name be uh, right next to the Laugh Factory. Yes, 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 yes. And I think it will be. You know, yeah. I think it, I, I think there are enough people of, um, shall we say, of, of consequence or influence now 
who've gone through his mill, who hopefully won't forget, you know? Yeah, I'm already kind of seeing it. I see a movie. I'm already seeing the movie, Bill. <laughs> we open up. Like I said, I, 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 you know, I have, I have, you know, I've tried to talk to him about. It. I've tried to talk to him about doing a books, a book. Yeah. And he uh, just wants no part of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll well, change. I, maybe that'll change after he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should send him this. I should send yeah. him this. Yeah. yeah. Be like, hey, Jamie, we were talking about you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's interesting, too, I mean, like I was saying, I, I'm already like, as you're talking, I'm already seeing the story about him, you know, coming as a young man, some of the uh, the barriers that he had coming to the class, meeting some meeting this guy that works on this script, hustling, working at night. And then I can only imagine. Right. I'm already thinking like we're 40 minutes in and then boom, this one headliner, whoever it would be, maybe it was the Carlin. I don't know. Whoever it was that um, helped kind of launch the Laugh Factory. You I know, will t- you I'll tell you, I'll name. tell you who it was. Uh, perfect. Who, it, who was it? He's no longer with us, but he was he's iconic. Mm hmm. Richard Pryor. Are you serious? Wow. There we go. Richard Pryor, when Jamie was first starting, you know, Richie Pryor says, I will, I want to perform there. There we go. And and not only that, Jamie is is the first because comedy clubs historically didn't pay the comedians Mm -hmm. to perform there. Mm -hmm. Jamie insisted they get paid, even if it were $20. Mm-hmm. Jamie insisted that they get paid. Uh, I love it. I read, so I can just see Richard Pryor and that name, and then just after that, the success that comes and the challenges, right, mm-hmm. that come with fame and and what that sort of looks like. Um, but wow, what a powerful story with Jamie's life and him creating this icon and and definitely his legacy. It's incredible. And so did, do you know the story like with Richard Pryor, was it something that he just wanted to do to uplift uh, Jamie or was it, was the Laugh Factory getting a name and he wanted to help bolster it? No, I mean, it was the kind of thing where a lot of name comedians come down at comedy clubs because that's where they can be bad. (laughs) I mean, that's where, no, I'm serious. That's where they can, I mean, Robin Williams or, you know, who you name it if they're doing a TV shot on the Tonight Show or a car, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. they need a place where they can work out the material and not worry about, you know, what, you mm. know whatever it is. So mm-hmm. that happens all the time, as well as named comedians who come down there and do their shows. And then, of course, there's the open mic nights and anybody who wants to be a comedian um, can give it a shot. Um, but no, so Richard Pryor, you know, was like coming down there to, you know, to do something. And as a matter of fact, he slipped Jamie $200. (laughs) So that he could come and try out his material. So that he could, you know, just to help you out, just to help you out, Jamie. Oh. So, so, and of course, then Richard Pryor had, obviously we all know, tough times. So, but, and, and, and there isn't a comedian around. I mean, there are certain iconic comedians who other comedians refer to. Uh, as a, you know, whether it be Lenny Bruce or, you know, Mozart, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And Richard Pryor is one of those. Mm. That's incredible. Uh, what a story. I mean, that in itself is an amazing little story right there. Richard Pryor slipping Jamie money to go in and perform and try out some material. I mean, 
I mean, that's it's a huge name, you know. Richard mm -hmm. Pryor was huge, huge. That's incredible. Uh, what well, that is, that's really cool. You kind of gave me shivers uh, with that. <laughs> it's like, wow. I'll talk about. I mean, again, I'm already seeing uh, this this interaction and uh, that little bit that probably Richard Pryor probably did, maybe on the Carson show or some other show, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but he tried it out at the uh, at the Laugh Factory first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very cool. So how are we going to convince Jamie of all this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you do, you have planted a thought, which mm -hmm. is I'll send him this, maybe I'll edit it down a little, but I'll send him yeah. this, I'll send him this, this, this peon that I, that I'm giving him because he, he hates it. He hates stuff like this. Um, that, that maybe he's reached his stage, you know, where he is, he's, he, it took him a long time to get married and start a family. He's not a young father, but he has a young kid. And maybe he's reached a time in his life where he's willing to think about communicating his legacy or communicating his life story or communicating something like that. Yeah. Whether, whether I'll do it or somebody else will do it, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the thing is, it's a great, to me, and the reason I talk about it is I've been close to it and I just admire the story. Does he have yeah. his faults and flaws? Of course, but that's not the issue. Yeah, um, we all do. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I just have great admiration knowing him from the beginning um, for what he's, what he's done and who he's become. Definitely, definitely. It's fascinating. And Jamie, I will say this, I guess this is my pitch to you. Totally understand if there's boundaries, but if there's any way we could make sure your legacy is just in another way, being able to show your legacy to the world would be absolutely amazing. Because uh, it sounds like you are an amazing person and everything you're doing uh, from the beginning. It's not like, you know, you started doing charity work once you had anything uh, or when you started getting big. It's just who you are. And I think that in itself is absolutely inspirational. Hope he'll listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never yeah. know. Maybe we've convinced Jamie. Yeah, exactly. So anything else you would want to add about Jamie and his, uh, his fantastic legacy? Well, the only other thing is he's not done. Yeah. I mean, he's still, I mean, you know, when I follow, talk to him or talk to the people around him and stuff like that, he maybe is not the, the, the head of the club anymore. He's not the CEO of the corporation or something like that, but he's still going all around helping comedians, opening clubs, blah, 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 you know, doing, doing the PR stuff as well as just spreading the message because it, truthfully, he is totally devoted to comedy to make people laugh. It's mm -hmm. sort of, he, call, he calls comedians doctors of the soul. Yeah. Um, because he does, I, I, more than anybody I've ever seen in my life or know in my life, believe that laughter is the best medicine. And if he yeah. can bring laughter to people, I know that what's going on now, and I don't know if he states it or not, I know that what's going on now in the world. Um, he'd be the first one to see how can we bring laughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's been, you know, um, so many months of COVID and now it's this, this strife in this part of the world and that strife. So it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I will say for my escapism, comedy has definitely been one of those outlets. Mm-hmm. I have been checking out numerous, numerous Netflix specials from various comedians. Uh, also looking at new comedians, uh, Tiffany Haddish's special, where she was uh, throwing the rope back and bringing up her friends so that they could have their spotlight and their Netflix special, been watching them. It's been incredible. Uh, and it's just helped me. It's definitely helped with my mental health. It's helped with just forgetting, even for it's a little bit, in terms of everything that's going on, absolutely 100% agree. Uh, laughter for me when it's done uh, with social responsibility is absolutely uh, good for the soul and good for the mind and good for the good for the person. Let me give you another tip because I, I I'll often be talking to somebody because you know I, I you know I, I like helping people too who are going through troubles of one kind or another. It, you know, it doesn't matter what, and I always say. <sighs> Do yourself a favor. Find something that makes you laugh. Go to go to sleep when you go to bed at night. All right. Try to go to bed with a laugh. And I I recommend to them, and this is where I'm saying it. Jamie has created a site called the Laugh Factory, laughfactory.com. And there is the whole library of stand-up comedians on laughfactory.com. So if you want to go listen to Tim Allen or you want to go listen to somebody else, or you want to go to sleep saying, I'm going to for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I'm going to listen to so-and-so or Joan Rivers. I mean, my God, I mean, hysterical woman, you know, mm-hmm. Phyllis Diller, hyster- all, all that stuff is there on the website. Treat yourself as you fall asleep. Amazing. Laughfactory.com. And what another gift, right? I mean, for so many places where all this would be under paywalls to go in and just hear clips of different comedians and maybe just maybe get that laughter and, and just forget for a little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. What an incredible gift. Jamie, I definitely salute you. Bill, I appreciate you talking about your friend. Uh, and again, somebody who's alive, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie deserves Just don't, don't wait flowers. too long. To, don't wait too long to put this out. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Of course not. Of course not. I can promise you in 2022, Bill. <laughs> okay. uh, Jamie, I salute, salute you. You definitely deserve your flowers. What an incredible human being. Mr. Bill Top, thank you so much for sharing Jamie's story and for being here. How can people get a hold of you, Mr. Bill? And uh, just to know more about what you offer and yeah, uh, I mean, I get have to know you I, more. I have a website, BillTaub.com. And I also, had, if you want to contact me directly, it's BillTaub.com backwards slash contact. And you can contact me directly. And I absolutely will get back to you if I can help you in any way, whether it be, you know, with some career advice or some, you know, I offer, I, you know, I offer uh, because I'm a firm believer that those in the entertainment business should have more than one way to make a stream of income. I could offer you a way to make other streams of income um, because when you're in the creative fields, you never know where that next meal is coming from. So I just, and I try to give back, you know, just try to give back, you know, if you have an event or you need something or whatever it is, just ask if I can fit it in, I'll do it. 
And I'll tell you folks, Bill is 100% genuine in this. He helps and talks to so many people. He's always connecting me with some of the most greatest folks. And he, he's so modest. If you look up, he has an impressive IMDB page. <laughs> and Jesus. he's done a lot of work. He's just being modest, uh, just probably like his friend, Jamie. Bill, thank you for sharing Jamie's story and for being here. Appreciate thank you, you always. Thank you for doing these things. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thanks again for being here. And again, if you're liking these episodes, feel free to leave a review, download, comment, and share. And always remember, if I can support you in making our media more inclusive, feel free to reach out. I'm a screenwriter, podcast host, and an author. And I'm at theinclusivescreenwriter.com or the Inclusive Screenwriter on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.